0: The American church has forgotten about God. The American church has forgotten about God. Of what value would it be for you today if I come and give you some strategies for success in this world? Of what value would it be if I come and say, Right now, we're ready for a great opening of the heavens, and God is going to pour out His Spirit upon the church in great power. If He did, the church, by and large, would die. We would be Ananias and Sapphira. For we have lied to the Lord. We have our religion, we have our culture. We just lack righteousness, we lack holiness. The prophet Daniel has been in bondage for now, yea, at least 70 years. He's not been able to go home. Jerusalem is his city. It was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. He can't go home. He's a captive in a foreign land, serving a foreign and wicked king. Why was he there? Scriptures tell us he's there because Israel forgot about God. Oh, they kept their sacrifices going. They continued to give their offerings. Israel continued to hold to certain beliefs and understandings and certain rituals, feast days, but they were utterly wicked because they had forgotten about God. They became enamored with the Egyptians and their gods and the Assyrians and their gods. They became enamored with worldly wealth, prosperity. They became worshippers of human flesh. Of lust, of pride. They forgot about God. And so God finally came and said, I've warned you, and I've warned you, and I've warned you. And now I'm going to remove you from your promised land. I'm going to send you into captivity for 70 years. That's a generation. America has forgotten about God. And America has forgotten about God because the church has forgotten about God. There has to be a a dramatic change. I am greatly exhausted, tired, I've been crying out to God and fasting. I've been saying, Lord, this can't continue. There has to be a change. There has to be a resurrection of the church in America. There has to be a, a reformation, a revival, else we too will lose our nation. And we are right now in the process of losing our nation. Right now, America is being swept away by communist agitators who have taken top leadership positions in our government, in our schools, in the teachers' union, in every area of public discourse. The gospel has been expelled and the Judeo-Christian ethic has been crashed. Oh, we still have some religious rituals. Many of you still go to church. But one pastor who began to really teach the honest word of God. Suddenly everyone left. He emptied out his church. They didn't want to hear. You must repent and you must change the way you are living. It's very comfortable to go to church on a Saturday or a Sunday, listen to a, an energetic pastor talk about strategies for living and talk about all kinds of scriptural stories Nothing about holiness, nothing about consecration, nothing about grounding your swords of offense against the Most High God. Religion has has become big business in America, and God is going to crash it. So I don't come to you today saying, watch, God is going to pour out his spirit in great power upon the church and we're going to have the greatest days of the church ahead. No. That decision hasn't yet been made. If God is going to pour his spirit out upon the church, it's going to have to first be poured out in grave conviction of our sin. Before a holy and righteous God, we're going to have to carefully examine the way we live. We're going to carefully examine our ways before a holy and righteous God. We're going to have to stop pointing our finger at the other guy and say, We're the church. And I'm having to go much deeper than I've ever gone before. I'm having to say, Lord, my life is just shallow. I need the depth of your spirit. I spoke with a dear sister yesterday. And I said to her, I have become... Extremely isolated from the world. It's been by my choice turning off the radio, turning off television, turning off internet, turning off cell phone, limiting my social interaction with people because I have to get to Jesus. It's not business as usual. We've got to remember our God and that he is a judge. And we must make amends through grave repentance and humility before our awesome God. Daniel is beat up he's serving a foreign king this wicked man belshazzar and then darius he knows things are not right with israel he knows they've they've been expelled from their homeland and they know that it's because of what moses spoke when he gave the curses in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you follow the ways of the Lord, then these are the blessings. If you do not follow the ways of the Lord, these are the curses. Well, the curses are upon Israel, and the curses are now coming upon America. To me, it's no accident that California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, parts of Colorado. It's no surprise to me that they're under dire straits of of water, of heat, of fires, because they have led the way in wickedness for the church in America and in the state. I used to call California, after having lived there for a time, a land of fruits and nuts. It was crazy. The values were all upside down. What was evil was called good, and what was good was called evil. A very clear separation between those who love the Lord and those who love the darkness. Churches, mega-churches, preaching the doctrines of demons. It's no wonder to me that the the curses of God are coming upon California, especially, and Oregon, the most ungodly of states. I praise God there are still a few Christians who live in California and Oregon, even as Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. But our whole nation is turning into Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's time for God's people to pray. To repent. Let's be specific. Not to pray, not to intercede. Oh God, lift your hand. No, Lord, lower your hand upon us. Give to us the conviction of our true sin and our true condition. Solzhenitsyn said about Russia before it crashed, Russia has forgotten God. That's why this has happened to us. America has now forgotten about God, too. And the same judgments will come upon America. Our economy is going to utterly be destroyed. The Fed is doing a marvelous job of stripping out the income and the lives of the middle class In Spain, their top court has said it was a violation of their constitution to lock down the nation and cause people not to be able to go to work. I wish our Supreme Court had the courage under John Roberts to take up the same position. These lockdowns have been demonic. And it's destroyed countless numbers of people's income and lives. And now they're being foreclosed on and they're losing everything. All of this is a part of the curses spoken of when a nation turns away from God and forgets about God. And I can't separate the American church and America. They are inevitably woven together. And pardon me, but what's happening to America is largely due to preachers who were weak-kneed with no backbone, who have refused to preach the gospel truth and instead have taken up the lies, the lies of the devil, that you can walk in sin and still be saved. Any preacher who teaches that is teaching a demonic heresy straight from the pit of hell. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But first, let's go to the book of Daniel. Daniel, the ninth chapter. It's in the first year of Darius. Daniel is rereading the writings of Jeremiah. And he observes in the book that the Lord said it would be. 70 years upon the nation before Jerusalem would be restored. So he gives his attention now to the Lord his God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He goes all out. He knows he has to reach God. He prayed to the Lord, He began his prayer by confession. Alas, O Lord. This is Daniel 9, verse 4. Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned we have committed iniquity we have acted wickedly and rebelled even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances moreover we have not listened to your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land now oh, please I'm not a I'm not a prophet but I am a watchman And I'm coming and speaking very honestly with you today that we need to get back to God. We need to get to Jesus. Our very lives are hanging in the balance. Will we get to Jesus before we die? Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Open shame, Belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. I want to put it in modern terminology and meaning. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our president, to our supreme court. to our executive, legislative, and judicial branches. Open shame belongs to them. Open shame belongs to the pastors of the American church. We have forgotten about God. We have sinned against the Most High God. And his judgments are now being poured out upon America. In drought. In hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. We're going to see an increase of wild beast attacks. Rattlesnake attacks in California are over the top. We are going to see... Tornadoes and hurricanes hit the East Coast and the central part of the United States with those tornadoes. The protective hand of God has been lifted from America. Open shame belongs to us. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness. We have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings which he set before us through his servants and the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice, so the curse has been poured out on us along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. As it is written in the law of Moses, verse 13, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. All of these natural Phenomena, fires, drought, floods. America will not turn. They'll say these are just happenstance, natural issues, climate warming or some other foolish notion. America has forgotten God. And most Americans don't believe that God would bring this kind of judgment upon a nation. The Lord has calamity in store for America because we have not obeyed his voice. We have sinned and we have been wicked. You ask, how have we sinned? by pursuing the normal American lifestyle of having one little compartment for church, where some it's their hobby, so they have a little more than just a compartment. And then we have the great concern about work and money, the great concern about exercise and entertainment, what's happening with the football, what's happening with the baseball, what's happening with professional sports. We listen constantly to the radio in the car. The, the music is always playing. The television is always going. Some homes I visit in, as soon as I get there, I see the television is still on. It's always on. We have our normal American life. Let's get the let's get the expenses covered, let's save some for vacation, let's do this, let's do that. Here we go, there we go. We've got it all together. What's your bucket list? Where are you going next? What cruise are you going to go on? Where where are you headed next? We have sinned against God. We've not been serious about who Jesus is. I know this is not easy to hear. It's also not easy to say to you. Verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the cities which are called by your name for we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and take action for your own sake. O oh my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. America has been called and has been a Christian nation. We are no longer walking like a Christian nation. We're walking like pagans, with an overlay of Christianese. And I ask, What are you willing to do about it? In your own life, what are you willing to do about it? Now, while Daniel is praying, confessing his sin and the sin of his people Israel, I want you to notice Daniel didn't pretend that he was somehow above the nation. I can't either. There's no room in this for any of us to stand in pride and say, I've got it together and I'm on my way. You know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's presenting his supplication before the Lord. And while he's still praying, his prayer is interrupted by Gabriel the powerful angel, the same Gabriel that he'd seen in vision previously, came to him in his extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And he spoke to Daniel, and I want you to hear what he said to him. Oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Remember in chapter 7, the little horn and the 70 weeks? Verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Now, I want you to see what these 70 weeks are all about. They're going to tell exactly when Messiah is going to come. And this is what Messiah was going to do when he came. He is going to finish transgression. That's what the angel Gabriel said. He is going to come, and he's going to finish the transgression. In other words, you will no longer be a people constantly transgressing the law of God. Something is going to change. A righteousness is going to come to you that will be real righteousness, but it will not come via the law. It will come separate from the law. It will come from the heart of God. Number two, this is in Daniel 9, verse 24, to make an end of sin. There are some who say, oh, we're always going to be sinners. No, that's not what Gabriel told Daniel. He told Daniel that when Jesus came, there would be put to an end sin to make atonement for iniquity, to make atonement. Jesus Christ was atonement, and he would be that atonement for our our iniquity, our sin. To bring in everlasting righteousness. This is to be our righteousness today, to bring in everlasting righteousness. The word literally means innocence. I want you to catch this picture. The angel Gabriel is coming and telling him, you have lost your birthright. You have been shut out from heaven. You have walked in transgressions. But one is coming who will bring back to you your birthright and you will be restored to innocence, to what you were before Adam fell and the glorious work of redemption is not just an intellectual process. It is an actual transformation of the man. There's a lot of conversation today about transhumanism. What is it? Some of you may not be acquainted with that term, but what literally it means is that there will be a genetic change made in man by the powers of darkness, by the devil. There will be robotics. There will be a stripping away of what it means to be human. I believe that the VAX is the first step of implanting a software in the human being that will allow the transhumanism to come into full effect. Has this been seen in the earth? Before, yes, before the flood, the daughters of man and the watchers copulated and produced offspring that were not fully human. Thus, the flood came and swept them away before even Noah's DNA could be changed. Jesus came to bring back the birthright to human beings, not transhumans. There will be a race of people on the earth that will not be able to enter into salvation because they have been so changed in their DNA, in the actual structures of their body, that they will no longer be human. It will be transhuman. It'll be post-human. Remember, Jesus said, even as it was in the days of Noah, in Matthew 24, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. We're about to see some of the most horrible and ugly things a human being could imagine with these animal-human mixtures, and changing even the DNA of the human genome. We're told we're entering into a post-human culture. Those of us who know that Jesus Christ came to give us back the birthright will never submit to this transhumanism else we cannot be saved. I stand by faith that Jesus will come in the clouds of glory and rescue his people from this wicked post-human era that we're about to enter into, in fact, are already beginning to enter into as China makes super soldiers, as the United States is playing with the genos of the human mind and body, To make super soldiers, combining it with robotics. The angel is saying that Jesus is going to come and end transgressions. He's going to end Satan's plan for humanity, he's going to make an end to sin. He is going to be the atonement for iniquity. He is going to bring everlasting righteousness to the human heart. Don't tell me that you cannot leave your sin. Read carefully Romans 6. If we have time, I'm going to go there and read that for you today. If you believe that you cannot leave your sin you cannot be saved. For you must leave it to enter into salvation. Everlasting righteousness. Then he says, seal up the vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy place. So you know that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the Prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war Desolations determined. And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings, and on the wing of abomination he will come who will make desolate, even unto complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Daniel's terrified by this vision. Because he understands from this vision that the Messiah is going to come and when he's going to come, and that then Israel is going to be decimated, that Jerusalem will be destroyed again. Daniel is very upset, he becomes very sick. he becomes very troubled. His love is for his people, for the Jewish people. Now, if you read in the rest of the book of Daniel, most amazing prophecies are given. And then we come to the very end of time. This is what it says. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, Daniel, go your way, to the end then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age daniel is told that at the end of time knowledge is going to increase men are going to run to and fro that's certainly happening today Now, please don't make this say anything that I'm not saying, but please make it say everything that the Word of God is saying. I'm going to read for you out of the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. Take it literally. Don't try to allegorize it. Don't try to explain it away. Just deal with it in your heart. I'm going to begin with Chapter 6, verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. That's not in the future. That's in the present. Verse 7, For he who has died is freed from sin. If you're still walking in sin, you've not been crucified with Christ. If you're still walking in sin, you haven't been freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So don't be saying, I'm still a sinner, I'm not a saint, I'm still struggling. Are you kidding me? That's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is a present reality. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. In other words, to sin is a choice. And if you've been born again, if you've been crucified with Christ, no excuses. You have the power to say no to sin. The word says you will not be tried beyond your ability, but the Lord will provide a way of escape. From your sin are you sinning or have you taken the way of escape therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness you understand your hand does not sin on its own Your mouth does not sin on its own. It is instructed where to go, what to do, what to say, by your spirit. You are in charge. Present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness? There are some of you who say, I'm yielding myself to sin because I can't help myself. No, you haven't been born from above. You're still not saved. You need to turn right now. You need to turn right now and submit yourself to Jesus and let him crucify you and make the decision, I am turning from my sin right now. I'm not going to walk in this. Now, Jesus, I'm trusting you to give me the victory over this sin. It's not by white knuckling. It's not by trying hard. It's making the decision to allow Jesus Christ to be totally ruling in my heart and my life. No longer seeking the ways of the world. No longer seeking the money and the prestige and the power of the world. No longer seeking the entertainment of the world, but turning wholeheartedly unto Jesus and asking him to give you a pure heart sold out, made new, resurrected with Christ Jesus, filled with the Spirit of the living God. But thanks be to God, this is verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. There is simply no excuse for sin. One man said to me, Pastor, I fell into sin this week. I said, No, brother. No, you did not fall into sin you jumped into sin by your own choice and the wickedness of your heart. So don't accuse God of not being able to keep you. He has the power and the will to keep you by grace as a free gift. You see, righteousness is not make-believe. Righteousness is real. And you must decide will you consecrate yourself right now to Jesus? Some of you need right now to fall on your face before God and begin to repent and say, Lord, I've been shallow. I have sinned against you in my thoughts, in the lust of my heart. I've been in the pornography. I've been in lying, cheating, stealing. I've been lazy. I haven't loved. I've been angry and bitter and gossiped. Whatever it is, it needs to go. It needs to be released into the hand of Jesus. You need to repent of that thing, and he will remove it from your heart. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will make you into a new person. Tomorrow, we're going to have a day of prayer. I pray you'll call and that you'll pray online with me from 1 to 2 o'clock. You can call from anywhere in the country. Let me give you the phone number. Jot it down, 877-534-0780. Pray now. Some of you need to call and repent and confess your sin before God. Some of you need to call and say, I've gained the victory. I've grounded my sword of opposition to the Lord. My rebellion is over. I am washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus, and my heart is rejoicing in the freedom of having my birthright restored to me. I want to pray with you. Almighty God, there has to be a crucifixion of the heart. We have to go and get a new heart by repenting and confessing and turning from our wicked ways. Lord, would you please come? I just see in the Spirit there are men and women who right now are reaching out to you, Lord. Would you meet them? And would you call them after yourself? And would you grant them repentance? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Today, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me at Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now I pray that I'll hear from you. I need help with this broadcast expense, and you can help if the Holy Spirit prompts you and tells you what to do. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find all of the information that you need. And I pray that you'll go there. You can find podcasts, videos. My brother, my sister, I want you to enter into the kingdom of God. We've been shallow. America has forgotten about God and the church has forgotten about God. Please turn to Him now. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.